morning. I assume we are live. I assume you can all see me, you can all hear me. Um, it is wonderful to be here with you all today. Well, it's wonderful to be here with Jamie today. Thank you, Jamie, for being the only one in attendance. But I trust you are all uh, in your pyjamas, in your living rooms, wherever you may be. Um, actually, the bottom half of me has my pyjama bottoms on. Um, that's why I'm stepping so close to the lectern. Don't worry, I'm, I'm only kidding. I am dressed up because I am in a church after all. You know, the church has officially left the building. You've probably heard that before, but it's an amazing time that we are in, in terms of the church adapting, improvising, and learning to reach people, learning to get hold of people and use the tools of technology. You know, it praises Jesus for technology, and we, we praise him for what he's about to do in this season, what he's about to do in this church, and we, we praise him for, for, for all the good things he's, he's doing for us and done for us. So a few notices for us to begin with. We have our prayer meeting tonight at 6 p.m., which is going to be over Zoom. If you want to join us, um, you should have received an email with the Zoom ID login. Otherwise, uh, you can give us a call or give me an email or Ros a call to get that identification. Um, my emails tend to go into my junk, actually, at the moment, if they come from the church. So if you haven't received an email, make sure you check your junk. Um, it's a funny word, isn't it? Junk. Um, Monday, Thursday, we have coming up, we're going to have a service online at 8 p.m., which we're going to be going through, um, obviously, the, the Holy Week, this Holy Week coming up, followed by a service on Good Friday uh, in the morning with myself and Lee, and a Sunday morning service for Easter Sunday, which is obviously the heart and soul of all that we are as Christians, as all that we look forward to, because we know about the resurrection, we know about Good Friday that there is no Christianity. It was all just a, a scam if there was no resurrection. So we praise Jesus for this holy week that we're going into, and we're looking forward to celebrating it with you in these circumstances as we move on and as we just celebrate this time, we celebrate this weather. But in this time, before we move on, it would be wonderful to pray together. One thing I miss most of all is worshipping. One thing I miss most of all is worshipping with people together. It's one thing that we are we're designed to do. You know, our, our calling as Christians is to love God. And, you know, one of the, the words that is used for worship in the Greek is a word that means to kiss. And, you know, for us as, as sons and daughters of God, what, that's what we're calling to do for our worship. So right now, we're just going to take a few minutes just to still our hearts, let our focus be on him. Let our attention be on him. In the midst of this craziness, in the midst of this storm, in the midst of the chaos that, or, or the, the hard times of being locked inside, let's use this time to fix our eyes on him. So what we're going to do, we're just going to turn our attention towards him for, for, for a minute, if not longer, because he, he deserves it all, and it's what we're created to do, and we're called to love him. But we're then going to go into a time of prayer, praying for this nation, praying for those in the, the front lines, praying for the key workers, praying for those in the NHS. So join with me as we just close our eyes. If you want to close your eyes, we're just going to turn our attention towards the King. Holy, holy, holy. God Almighty. who was and is and is to come. We worship you. We adore you. 
We need you, God. Only you can do this. Only you can rescue. By faith we enter into your presence. By faith we receive your love. And we worship you. Father, we thank you for your body. We thank you for this this Easter week that we're going into. But Father, right now we want to pray protection over the NHS. We want to pray refreshing over the NHS. We want to pray healing over the NHS, Father. Strength over them, Father. Thank you that you're with them. Thank you that you're for them. And we, in the name of Jesus, declare victory in Jesus' name. We declare that the, the number of cases will start to decrease and we'll start seeing radical drops in cases of this virus entering into this world. We speak healing, restoration, refreshing. We speak heaven into every hospital, every case of this virus in the name of Jesus. We speak utter protection, utter love. We thank you, Father, for your passion for your people, your passion for you to come through and rescue us as you always do. We thank you for the good things that are kind of come from this, Father, and we pray comfort for those that are going through this time of fear. We pray compassion over them. And Father, I just speak in the name of Jesus, healing. We speak healing over this nation, healing over our government. We speak wisdom to our government. And we thank you, Father. We thank you that you are good. And you're always working for our good. And we thank you that you are here. In this room, in our living rooms, wherever we may be, you are here. You are the present one, the ever-present one. And we give you glory, we give you praise. We want to know you, Jesus. Father, we pray quickly for the other churches in this area. We pray blessing upon them. The other ministers, the other congregations, we pray blessing over fleet in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this is a completely new thing for me. I'm looking at a screen of myself next to a camera, um, which is, is very surreal, but it's, it's a joy to, again to, to be here with you all. As I said, we are, we are going into Holy Week. We are going into the, the time of the, the greatest part of Christianity, the, the, bring, the part that brings the most joy, because it's completely supernatural. It's the greatest victory that ever was and ever will be, the victory over death itself. And for us, we get to celebrate this together. We get to remember this time together as we journey through this week. And what we're doing today is obviously we're going to carry, carry on Palm Sunday. So Palm Sunday is the day where Jesus entered into Jerusalem. He entered on the donkey and he entered in in triumph. And we know this story very well because we go for it every year, but it's one of great importance. It's one that we need to remember. So where we're at is that Jerusalem was heaving. Jerusalem is getting packed because people from all over the globe, people from all over the nation are coming to Jerusalem for Passover. Now Passover was, it is the celebration that still happens to this day. It's the Passover of the spirit of death in Exodus, I think it's 22 perhaps, where the spirit of death comes over and the people are in lockdown essentially. They have to put the blood of the lamb over their doorposts in order for protection. Okay? The, the blood of a spotless lamb, the blood of a, a lamb without any defect to save them from death. You know, it sounds a similar story, doesn't it? 
So that's where Passover comes from. So people are coming to celebrate Passover. And every Passover from that original one in Exodus, they had to sacrifice a lamb, okay, as a, as a remembrance, as a part of sacrificing for the, for the sins of the people, okay? And that's why Jerusalem is getting busy. That's why people are gathering from all over the place. They're going to be bringing their sacrifices. That's why, you know, when Jesus turned the tables in the, in the temple, people were selling sacrifices. People were selling animals to be sacrificed. And that's why Jerusalem is getting packed. Jerusalem is getting busy for people coming to join for this celebration, for this 10-day festival, which I think starts on the 8th of April coming up. And if you've been checking out any of this um, situation in the prophetic you know, you'd see that actually that could potentially be a, a very p- prophetic time for us, for us as a church, for us as a body, for us as a nation, that God is going to move mightily around this season of Passover and Easter. So that's where we find ourselves. Jesus has just come from Bethany. Jesus has just come from a place of Bethany where he's been anointed by that oil, by that fragrance that's been poured out over his feet. And Judas is like, why are you wasting a year's salary of oil? Why are you wasting such expensive perfume? And we know that Jesus, in the account of Matthew, says that it was a preparation for his burial. And a lot of these, these, these things that Jesus spoke about, the, the disciples didn't understand until after the resurrection, until he had ascended into heaven. It's not until the revelation finally comes that they actually understand what was being done, the symbolism, the wording, other things they use, they finally understood it. So that's where, we, that's where we're coming into. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And one thing that we need to keep in mind here is that Jesus always and often kept his ministry very secret you know and we don't always quite know the reason for that we know that he was he was very key and direct about timing he says it's not my time yet the time has not yet come there had to be specific times specific places for his timing to to be at hand but one of the only times that Jesus actually reveals himself as his true identity is in this moment of him riding into Jerusalem on a donkey He is revealing himself to be the king a king riding in on a donkey. And the people would have recognized that. The people would have recognized what that symbolism means. A king coming in on a donkey. And a donkey would have represented peace. If he would have come in on a horse, that would have meant war. Okay? And in Revelation, it does talk about Jesus riding a horse and war. And that day will come. Okay? To war. But in this situation, he's coming for peace. And the people will recognize the symbolism of what this means. Of him actually showing his true identity as a king coming in to Jerusalem with his disciples. So let's read together. Let's go from um, Luke 19, verses 28. There's quite a lot to get through, so read with me. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the cult, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, Why are you untying that cult? And the disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought the cult to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him, where he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives. All of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And I'm going to pause right there. 
Why were the Pharisees telling him to rebuke the disciples and his followers are saying things like that? It's because he knew and they knew that this symbolism meant that he was coming as a king, as a Messiah, as a saviour for Jerusalem, for the people. So he's revealing his true identity. And these words that the followers are crying out of the prophecy in Zechariah that was written 500 years beforehand and the prophecy within the Psalms. And those people shouting it and declaring it are getting excited They're getting excited that the fact that this is the Messiah coming, this is Jesus showing that he is who he is, he who is saying who he is. And they're getting excited and they're getting worked up and they're throwing down their palm leaves. And this is why the the Pharisees are telling him to rebuke the disciples because Jesus is revealing himself as the Messiah. One of the only times he does so. Let's carry on. We got the famous verse in verse 40. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and the peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. So Jesus is is entering into a mixture of emotions. He's coming into a place where there's celebration, but in the midst of celebration of people's excitement, he's experiencing this this inner turmoil of knowing what's to come. And what he is talking about here with the destruction is the destruction of the temple in 70 AD where the Jews were literally in the, in the temple and they were, they were starved out and the temple was destroyed with them inside of it. So he's weeping at seeing what was to come, but he's weeping at the destruction of the temple and he's weeping as any father would over their children. You know, which for me, we know Jesus is the full manifestation of who God is. So when God is seeing us go through heartache, when God is seeing us go through hard times or death or destruction or illness, whatever it may be, this is an insight of how, to God, how God responds to those situations. It's so important that we know who the nature of our Father. And the second part is here. He was weeping because they did not recognize what was in front of their very faces. They did not recognize the very truth that walked right before him. They did not recognize what was about to happen. They did not recognize that there was a lamb about to be sacrificed, but it wasn't the one they expected it to be sacrificed. What they didn't understand, they, they, they missed it. It was their lack of knowledge that caused them to miss it. It was their lack of understanding that caused them to miss it. And I think about my life, I think about our life as a church, and I think about how we can't just afford to conform to the pattern of the church. We cannot just conform to the pattern of this world. We have to be ready and able. We cannot be looking at what the church is doing globally. We need to be looking at what God is doing globally. And please hear my heart when I say that. I'm nothing against the church. We need to be looking at what God is doing what God is saying, listening to what he's doing over anything and everything. Our point of call must always come back to what he's doing, what he is saying, what his activity is. And that's what we're called to do as sons and daughters of God. As mature sons and daughters of God, we are called to only have eyes for what he is doing and understand the times that we're in as Jesus spoke about. But equally, our first perspective must always come from heaven, not from earth to heaven, heaven to earth. And the interesting thing is these these people are one minute praising, excited for this king to come and redeem them, for this king to come and bring victory, this king to come and redeem them from their enemies. 
and you read a few days later that these would have been the same crowd that called for his crucifixion. This would have been the same crowd that called for him to, to be killed, to be murdered on a cross, an innocent man. And you know, for me, in my life, I, I've seen it in my life, where I've seen in my life in the past, and I've seen Christians, I've seen people, where one minute they're praising God, they're praising God when things are going so well in their lives. They're praising him when everybody else is happy and jubilant and everything else, they're just following the crowds. But what it really takes as mature sons and daughters here is to praise him in every season, not just one season, not just the good season. When you don't understand things, when things are a bit crazy, when things are a bit, when that things hurt. Can we really do that? Can we really praise Jesus in every single situation? Can we stand on the foundation of his word rather than the foundation of people's opinions, rather than the foundations of this world? And what Jesus would have been doing in his triumphal entry, he would have been coming in as a king, and what the people would have done as an act of victory would have been laying out the palm leaves, laying out the palm branches. The palm branches represented victory, represented triumph. And we know that as Jesus rode in to Jerusalem that day, he did go with an agenda for victory. He did go with an agenda to overcome the world. He did go with an agenda to redeem his people, to bring salvation, not just to his own people, but salvation to the world. And we know that he is actually aligning himself with the victory that's being laid out before him by these people. But it just was not the way they expected it to. It did not happen the way they expected it to happen. Jesus overcame by submitting himself to death and death on a cross. It blows my mind that he could stand in front of all the people, in front of Pilate, in the face of every accusation that was completely false and remain silent. That he could die on a cross and he could be dying on a cross and say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus' agenda was completely different to our agenda. His way of overcoming, his way of redeeming the world was not by action, was not by fighting, was not by a great political debate or a great sermon. It was to dying to himself. It was to laying his own life down. He was embarrassing himself, humiliating himself in the eyes of man. And that is how Jesus saved us from this world. That is how he got us the victory. That is how he is, why he is now victorious. 1 John 5 verse 4 says this, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. That is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. You know, Jesus said to his disciples before, he died, he said, have faith that I have overcome the world. We know that on that holy day, on Palm Sunday, Jesus entered into Jerusalem with victory coming in all different directions, but he knew victory wasn't about to come the way he expected it to come. And you know, when we know the good news that on Good Friday, he reigns victorious, he reigned victorious over death, he did what he needed to do to bring himself into victory, to bring his nation into victory, to bring his people into victory, to bring his Gentiles into victory, because he is undefeated. He is the king who overcame by the way that we did not expect him to, by giving himself up, by laying down his own rights, laying down his own agenda, whatever, well, laying, and what I'm trying to say is that we can learn from this. We can learn from this. I can learn from this way of thinking, this way of living. This way of living where the only person's voice that matters is the Father's. 
The only perspective that matters is the Father's. No matter what the crowd is shouting at us, no matter what the people is saying about us, the only one that matters is the Father's. Revelation 7, 9 says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I'm going to read that last, last few lines again. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. Jesus gained that victory on that cross 2,000 years ago by giving up his life, by walking in victory. That means that you and I can access the victory. You know, you and I are called to live a victorious life. Why? Because he is victorious. And we are in him and he is in us. And it's part of our DNA now to walk in victory. Victory over sickness, victory over death, victory over low self-esteem, victory over anything that doesn't align with the Bible. God has caused you and I to walk victorious. How did David and jo Joshua walk in such victory? Have you, have you noticed the pattern of victory that happens in the Old Testament? You know, I, and I sometimes see my life and I sometimes see the life around of the church or, or the people of Christ. And I'm like, where's the victory? Where's the victory? Where are we reigning victorious? Yes, we're reigning victorious in the end, but in the day-to-day, -day, Father, I want to walk in great levels of victory that you designed and you died for us to live in. So why don't we, wherever you are right now, let's put a hand on our hearts. And I'm just going to pray over you just a blessing, a prayer of breakthrough, a, a prayer of victory in the name of Jesus. Because because he died on the cross, because he resurrected, that means we have access to that victory that he gained for us. So I'm going to pray. Put your hand on your heart. And let's just engage the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to release this prayer over all of us now that is tuning in. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray and I declare victory into our bloodstream. Victory in our life. Victory over any mountains that may be in our way. In the name of Jesus, right now I command victory and I command breakthrough in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Jesus, that you have called us to live a life victorious over sin, over death. And I speak right now to patterns of sin that people can't get out of and I speak victory over that in the name of Jesus because Jesus' blood has paid that price. And I speak victory over that pattern of sin right now in the name of Jesus. I speak victory over the way that you see yourself, that you would truly see yourself the way that God sees you. I speak victory over an inability to forgive others. I speak victory in the workplace. I speak victory in your life and your intimacy with Jesus. And I speak victory, 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 victory into your life in the name of Jesus, that we would reign victorious with him in heavenly places as sons and daughters, in the name of Jesus Christ, the living Messiah. Amen.